Hi everyone, it's great to be with you here at Church at Home. I'm excited to be a part of your summer refresh. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Elise. Um, I have some long connections with this community, but I'm just so excited to be here with you today and to be able to talk a little bit about scripture, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Last week, Ruben spoke about being refreshed in prayer. And today I'm gonna to be speaking about being refreshed in scripture. Now, for hundreds of years in hundreds of languages, scripture has challenged and inspired people all over the world. Um, it has, its stories has made, have made its way into movies, its imagery and its metaphors have made its way into uh, poetry and song lyrics and uh, even music videos. There's no denying that scripture has made a huge impact all over the world. And even if you're not a Christian, um, there's no denying that there's something special about scripture. There's no denying that there's something about scripture that makes us stop and pause and, and want to dive in just a little bit deeper. The scriptures have a unique capacity uh, to spark our creativity, to excite our imaginations. And most importantly, they have a unique capacity to investigate and explore our hearts and motives. There's something special about scripture that all of us, Christian or not, recognize uh, whenever we dive into it a little bit. Sometimes for us as Christians, though, that gets a little bit lost. It gets lost in the sea of, you know, half-read devotional books or Bible apps and, and reading plans that we haven't touched in the last two weeks. Sometimes it gets lost in the sea of sermons that tell us we should be getting up at 6 a.m. to read a passage of Scripture every single day. And when that happens, the Scriptures become a source of guilt or a burden rather than a joy and a gift and a wonder. And so today, we're not going to talk about how much or how little uh, we should or shouldn't be reading Scripture. We're not going to talk about even what we should or shouldn't do while we're reading Scripture. Today, we're going to pause and we're going to take a little bit of time to wonder and, and to, to refresh ourselves by thinking about what it is exactly that Scripture invites us to. To do this, there's no better place in the Bible for us to turn than to Psalm 119. Now, if you're familiar with this psalm, you'll know that Psalm 119 is a very long psalm, first of all. Um, it's a psalm that's an acrostic poem. There are 22 stanzas of eight verses each, and all of them uh, start with one, with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, but all of them, more importantly, are dedicated to praising God for his teaching, praising God for his wisdom and for his works in the scriptures. Um, and so there really is no better place for us to turn. It's literally 176 verses of praising God for his word. Now, I wish I could just sit here and read all 176 verses to you, but I have a feeling that that wouldn't go over very well. So instead, today, we're going to focus on one specific section. More specifically, we're going to focus on verses 97 to 104. If you'd turn there with me, that'd be great. How I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than those who are old, because I have complied with your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, so that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. Now we're gonna pause there for a second because there's just a couple things that I want us to notice in these verses. The first thing 
is um, you might have noticed that there's a lot of repetition in this stanza. And that's because there is. A lot of words are used more than once in this passage. But my favorite repetition in this passage is, is probably the words yours and my. Um, there's this sense almost of back and forth between this idea of it being God's word and also our words, you know, um, your commandments, your law, your testimonies. And yet at the same time, um, my meditation, your commandments make me wiser. Uh, they are ever mine. They are with me. There's a sense of back and forth, this sense almost, it's almost like in effect, um, you're saying, God, what's yours is mine. Um, and it kind of strikes at this, this very real aspect of Scripture, uh, this very real uh, aspect that Scripture invites us into participation rather than imposition. And what I mean by that is that God shares His Word with us. It's a gift that He shares generally, generously with us. It's not forced on us. Uh, it's not imposed upon us. It's not a set of rules that He pushes us um, to follow or else. Um, scripture is shared with us. It's not forced on us. It's it's about participation. It's not about imposition. Another aspect of this, uh, of this part of the stanza that I love is, is the sense of personal impact um, that appears all throughout, right? Um, you know, I, the, the psalmist says, your commandments make me wiser. Uh, I have more insight. I understand more. There's this sense that the word makes us better. You know, there's a sense that the psalmist is saying, your word makes me better. It adds something profound and valuable to me that I couldn't have gotten on my own. And so uh, this, other, this, this other aspect of this psalm also reminds us that Scripture invites us to formation, not just information. In other words, Scripture is not here to teach us all about, you know, a, a set of facts, all about a set of, you know, principles, you know, 10 steps to healthy living. That's, that's not what Scripture is really about. Scripture is about formation, not just downloading information into our brains. God is much more concerned with who, are, who we are becoming in Him than He is with how much we know about Him. I feel like these all kind of culminate too in verse 102, where he said, where the psalmist says, I have not turned aside from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. You yourself have taught me. Now, commentators and scholars have said that the beauty of this whole psalm, the beauty of Psalm 119, comes from the fact that it flows from this sense of personal relationship that the psalmist has with God. And that personal relationship, that love, uh, is reflected in the psalmist's devotion and love uh, of God's teaching. And I would agree. I think that's part of the beauty of this psalm. The psalmist talks about this experience of having a direct line to God. In the scriptures, there's this sense that, that through scripture, we have a direct line of access, a direct line to hear from God. Scripture invites us to an experience that is accessible and not exclusive. It invites us to enjoy this direct personal relationship with God that isn't limited to people who know a lot about Scripture, that isn't limited to people who have spent years and years learning uh, through commentaries or through teachers or through, you know, professors. Uh, it's, it's this direct line, this, this experience that's accessible to everyone, no matter how much you know and no matter how, much little, how little you know. I remember a few years ago, um, I hosted a workshop at our church for a Women's Day, and it was called How to Read the Bible 
and enjoy it. Um, and in this workshop, I put in all of these practical tools, you know, these practical resources for how to read, what to read, um, you know, principles, guidelines for reading scripture and getting the most out of it and, and, you know, really enjoying it, immersing yourself in it. And I remember that right after that workshop, um, I spoke to our administrator who was a part of the workshop. And I asked her for feedback and I, I asked her, what's your biggest takeaway? What's, what's the biggest thing that you got from this workshop? And her answer was, honestly, I don't remember a lot of the tools. I don't remember a lot of the guidelines. But one thing did stick out to me. The fact that God wants to speak to me. The fact that God wants to communicate to me through his scriptures. And I thought that that was so profound because often we get so intimidated because there's, it feels like there's so much to know about scripture, about context, about history, about, you know, sociology, about um, Paul and about Pete and about the Psalms. And there's just so much to know and it can be overwhelming and it can be very, very tempting for us to be scared away, shy away from engaging with the scriptures because we think we're just not enough or we just don't know enough or we're just not spiritual enough. I think this psalm really strikes at the heart of that fear and that, um, and that timidness. It really strikes at the heart of that shying away because it reminds us that it's not just our teachers or you know, those who are old, as the psalmist says. It's not just those people who get a direct line to God. It's, it's not just your parents. It's not just your pastors. It's not just your professors and your youth leaders and your life group leaders that get a direct line to God. You and I, all have a direct line to God through the scriptures, and that's not limited to the best and the brightest. This is important, I think, because uh, scripture invites all of us, every single one of us, not just the best and brightest, to receive something that's vital, that's necessary to us as we go through the journey of life. And let me talk about that uh, in verses 103 and 104. How sweet are your words or your promises, as other translations put it, to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Now, a couple of years ago, when my grandparents passed away, I learned a little bit about Chinese traditions that happen at funerals um, from my father. Um, and as my dad was telling me about them, there was one that really stood out to me, one that was more important, I think, than the rest. At the end of every funeral service, um, it's important for every single person who has attended the funeral to receive a piece of candy, um, a piece of candy that they must then eat as soon as possible after, this, after the funeral is over. And when I asked my dad why, uh, why we do this, why do you have to eat, you know, that piece of candy right away. Some people are on keto, right? Like, um, why do you have to eat that piece of candy right away? My dad responded um, that it came, this tradition came out of this belief that something sweet was necessary in order to take away the taste of bitterness that is left after death. And that's really profound because we all experience bitterness, I think in our lives. We all experience bitterness. We've all tasted it in some way or some form. Whether it's the bitterness of grief or the bitterness of anxiety or pain, 
separation or burnout, or whether it's the bitterness of pandemics and protests and injustice and deep divides, deep conflicts among people that we know and that we love. We've all tasted bitterness, and perhaps some of us have tasted more, bitter, more bitterness over the last year than we've been used to over the rest of our lives. We all need a taste of sweetness. We all need something to take that bitterness away. And what the psalmist tells us is that the scriptures can be that for us. The scriptures invite us to receive that from God. Now, the truth is, I don't know exactly where in the Bible um, we might each of us might receive that sweetness. I can't tell you a specific page number or chapter or verse. Um, I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you, what I do know, is that through history, whenever people have invite have accepted the invitation to participation, formation, and access to God in the bitterest times of their lives, in the bitterest times of their histories, God has showed up and God has never failed to speak. I know that when African Americans were striving for freedom, when they were striving for equality, when they were striving to be liberated in order to flourish and to thrive in America, I know that God spoke to them through the story of Exodus, the story of a people who were oppressed and were set free from oppression and set free from slavery. I know that when Chinese Christian women were seeking to be set free from the oppressive and patriarchal hierarchical practice of foot binding, I know that God spoke to at least one of them through Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because she said that now she, said, now she felt like she was set free to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing in God's sight. And I also know that before I knew any of this stuff, before I knew any of this history, before I knew any of the ways that scripture had impacted people uh, throughout time and all over the world, before I knew any of this, I know that when I was 16 years old and I woke up hungover and bruised and beaten down, I know that I turned and opened my Bible to the Gospel of John. And God spoke to me through the story of Jesus and changed my life. I know that. In our darkest moments, in our most bitter moments, God invites us to receive hope and to receive joy through the scriptures. He invites us to see that we are seen. He invites us to know that we are known. And he invites us, as another psalmist puts it, to taste and see that he is good. And so if you are in the midst of a bitter season right now, or if you're just coming out of one, I want to assure you that that invitation has not expired. That invitation is still open and it's still good. All you have to do is receive it.